welcome to What in Tarnation, Tar Heel Blog's Hot Take Podcast. On this episode, we're recapping UNC's trip to the Bahamas in the battle for Atlantis. I'm Tanya Bondurant, and with me as always is Brandon Anderson. Brandon, did you have a good Thanksgiving? I did. Aside from the whole Michigan game situation, I had a lot of good food and got to watch a lot of sports. So all in all, good day. Tanya, how was your Thanksgiving? It was good, aside from the fact that I was trying to cook Thanksgiving dinner and look in on the basketball game, and the basketball game did not exactly go the way that I wanted it to, but we'll get to that. Let's start with the first game from Nassau, which was UNC's game against Alabama on Wednesday. I feel like this game was a lot of what we've seen from Carolina to this point. Um, They didn't have a very clean first half, and um, Alabama had a shooter. It was John Petty Jr. who he hit five threes in the first half. And I feel like perimeter defense has kind of been lacking. I, I know there are people out there who will say that it is always lacking, but I feel like it's been particularly not great so far this year, and Alabama was definitely a team that kind of made them pay for it. Yeah, um, I didn't get to see as much of this game as I wanted to. I kind of caught a little bit of it as, or you know, whenever I could, but one thing I have noticed about the three-point defense this year is I feel like the rotations are off. I don't know if that's kind of what you may have been seeing lately as well. Yeah, I feel like there will just be times where the defense will be good for several seconds and then someone like doesn't slide over and it leaves someone open and those shots aren't always going in, thankfully, but you know, good shooters left wide open are are going to sink those frequently and that was absolutely what happened um on Wednesday. Yeah. Um, Tanya, what did you see from UNC that may have been a positive coming out of that game? Um, I feel like Brandon Robinson was definitely a, of benefit. I don't know if that's the biggest thing that you noticed. or. I mean, having B-Rob back was absolutely huge. Uh, Carolina was pretty atrocious from three in the game, and having B-Rob be back and making three of those – I feel like made a huge difference. But the biggest takeaway from me was Garrison Brooks. He was huge down low. Uh, He tied his career high in points with 20. And he had seven rebounds. And I thought that he just, he, he's finally like rounding into the player that Carolina needed him to be. His defense has always been really good. But now that he's able to play the four instead of the five, I think that his offensive game has been a lot better. And that was completely the case against Alabama. I've noticed his toolbox of offensive moves has expanded or, you know, however you want to phrase that. But um, one of the things that I've noticed throughout this tournament is he's gotten a pretty decent jump shot on him. Yeah. I mean, that is, that's going to be good, especially when we start playing teams like Syracuse and others that like to throw that 2-3 zone out at you. His range is definitely impressive, and I feel like it has improved this year. 
Um, also, Brooks is so underrated at the free throw line. I feel like a lot of big dudes often struggle there. And Brooks seems to be getting to the line quite a bit this year. And very fortunately, he's able to knock those down more often than not. And I know that free throws have kind of been an issue for the team as a whole, but I feel like that hasn't really applied to Brooks. Yeah, it looks like in this game he was 6-for-8 from the free throw line. Um, Looking at the Michigan game, he was... Oh, he was one for four that game, but let's see what he did for Oregon. It looks like he was, oh, he had one and made his only one. But I I do agree with you, though. Like, he's been one of the better free throw shooters, um, which is interesting because I feel like even with some of the guards who probably should be making those free throws, they just haven't. And that's hurt them, uh, at, at least in that Michigan game. That definitely be, came back and bot, bit them in the butt. Yeah, I feel like free throws, I mean, we've heard it emphasized from the players. Um, I know, like Justin Pierce said, I think on the Carolina Insider podcast, that like all of them were staying after and taking like hundreds of free throws and not leaving until they had made just like free throw after free throw after free throw. Um, So I know that they know that it's important, and I know that they know that it hasn't been amazing. Um, Today against Oregon, they only missed one free throw, and that was huge for them because Oregon played them really close. Uh, So the more that they can be reliable in those situations, the better. Uh, You don't want to get into a situation where other teams can just play hack-a-heel and and you can't make them pay for that. So uh, improvement there is definitely good, but I think I think Brooks has been one of the more reliable starters in that department. For sure. Um, were there any other takeaways that you had from the Alabama game? I mean, it's always going to be frustrating when you look at the box score and see that two players combined for 43 of 67 points, um, and that was the case for Alabama. Uh, they had... Petty and Lewis, who just went off. Uh, Petty, obviously, from beyond the arc, and then Lewis was just able to go 9 for 23, which, I mean, 23 shots is... is That's a lot. (laughs) He took a lot of shots. (laughs) Um, If anybody wants to keep talking about Cole Anthony and how many shots he takes, I don't think he's been 9 for 23. No. Um, Which, wow, that's... That's a lot. Um, but, yeah, they they were basically Alabama's entire offense. And that's always going to be frustrating because it's just like if if someone is doing that well and finding that much success, you would hope that you would be able to stop it before it got to that point. Um it just wasn't the case. I will say that um, one thing that stood out to me in the Alabama game was that it was another game where I feel like Carolina had the obvious mismatch in size down low, yeah. and they definitely took advantage of that. Um, Baycott had another double-double. Uh, Brooks, obviously, was really good. Um, and the the scoring was just 
a lot more balanced than we have seen it at times. Uh, There were four players in double figures. Um, I think that's always going to be good to see. Almost five. Almost five. Uh, Leakey was one point shy of ten. And he was also one rebound shy of a double-double if he had gotten one more point and one more rebound. So I thought that was a good game from him. Um, Overall, I feel like the Alabama game was a step forward. Unfortunately, um, the next game, not so much. Yeah, we have to discuss the step back. So you didn't really get to see much of this game, but I did. So I guess it's my turn to jump into it. So the game against Michigan, I thought that things went fairly okay to start out the game. And matter of fact, they had a pretty good lead. They got a jumped out to a nine point lead. Um, and then really the wheels just kind of fell off. Um, this was a frustrating game for sure. I thought that livers was going to be the biggest problem, but it turns out that the biggest problem was Eli Brooks. Brooks finished the game with 24 points and five rebounds. Um, I don't know what to say about what happened with that kid. He was just on fire. Like, I don't – he kept getting himself in these spots to where, like, he would get, like, play tech on him or he would get, like, these other guys on him that he would just, like, blow by and score. Or he would just drain a three over them, and some of them were definitely how the heck you did you make that type shots. Um. The positive that came from the game was Cole Anthony. I think that he started showing up when they were down and really tried to get the team to get back into the game. They were almost down by 30. And that is just wild to me that they only lost by nine points. But yeah, Cole Anthony finished with 22 points, seven rebounds, three assists. He did have three turnovers, so that kind of cancels out how good the assists were um Baycott kind of backslid in that game and one of the things that Roy Williams talked about today in his presser after the Oregon game is that he really challenged Baycott and kind of just got on him after his performance he responded big time today and we'll get in that get to that in a little bit but the good news about what was going on in the paint is Brooks had an okay game, 13 points. He only had eight boards, and I say only because I feel like both big men have been doing a lot better than that lately. Um, yeah, aside from that, UNC was pretty bad in this game. And what we found out later was that, yeah, some of that is on UNC. There's definitely some of the problems that have been consistent with this team so far that just came to be of detriment to them. Um, But seeing Michigan play Gonzaga today, Tanya, I can honestly say that I don't feel bad about this loss anymore. Yeah, Michigan looks really good. And I think everyone will look at the fact that they weren't ranked and sort of think that Carolina should have done better, and and they probably should have done better. However, Michigan should be ranked, and they will be ranked uh, the next time a poll comes out. So no worries on that. Um, I think the frustrating thing for me as someone who only saw bits and pieces of this game was Carolina did a lot better in the turnover department against Michigan than they did against Alabama. 
They turned it over 20 times against Alabama. And they only turned it over 11 against Michigan, which, again, 11 11 ain't great. But uh, 11 is a lot better than 20. But, I mean, Michigan only turned it over seven times. But UNC had 21 points off of turnovers. Sorry. Um, Michigan turned it over 16 times. I I misspoke. Um, But, yeah, Carolina only turned it over. um, 11 times. Yeah, but only twice in the second half. Yeah. That's that's really good. I mean, unfortunately, it just was not enough. And I think the other thing was Carolina after Michigan went on that ridiculous 19 to nothing run where it just looked like Carolina quit yeah. more or less. Um Carolina came back and went on another like really big run of their own that got it down to single digits. And that's just frustrating because it's like, well, where was this the entire time? If you had played even half as well as that, you would have never been in this position and maybe you would have won. And I know that, you know, if ifs and buts were candy and nuts, we'd all have a Merry Christmas. But it just, it sucks to see that that was there and they just weren't doing it. I think you can probably say that Michigan might have let up off the gas a little bit after they were up by yeah. so many. But the the other way to look at that is Carolina fought back and they weren't able to come all the way back. But I think we've seen a lot of times where they went down big and just kind of seemed to lack the urgency to drag themselves back into it and at least in this game that was not the case this was a classic case of young team versus veteran team and it matters um i i have not enjoyed the announcers of these games that much but uh, one thing that they keep saying is that they feel like to win it all this year you're going to have to be an old team and michigan is definitely a case of an old team and Carolina is definitely a case of not that. Right. Which we're not used to that being the case. And honestly, with it also being a veteran team, like I feel like the, I feel like Jawada Howard is a really good coach. I wasn't expecting that. I mean, that's not to say that I was expecting him to be a bad coach, but I think I didn't have expectations when he signed on with Michigan. And, I mean, right now it's going really well. Yeah. I mean, I think that new coaches are always a little hard to, like, pin down because you don't really know what they're going to bring to the table. Um, And it's an adjustment for players, particularly players that have been playing under – other coaches so you know a lot of these guys played under beeline yeah they were used to the way that he ran things and i'm sure that it's an adjustment period i mean we've seen that with carolina football this year with mac brown coming in and there are a lot of guys that were under larry fedora and it takes time to adjust to how things go under a new coach um, I guess it's probably a little bit different than football because you're not learning like an entire new offensive scheme or anything. But 
Um, I think it still probably takes time to adjust to that. But, I mean, give them credit. It seems like they are a really, really good team. Um, yeah, I think, you know, looking at it yesterday, it was it was frustrating. But then seeing them thoroughly take it to Gonzaga today, uh, it definitely takes the sting out a little bit. Yeah. I was I kind of woke up ready to go in on this topic when I knew that we would have to talk about it on the podcast. But after seeing that game, and I'm glad I saw that game first, now I'm just kind of like the shrug emoji. <laughs> and I'm just kind of ready to move on. They'll be all right. Like, that loss is definitely one that you look at and you're just like, if you're going to lose one of those games and almost get beat up that badly, you would rather it be to Michigan. Yeah. Um, I was a little worried with how they have played so far this year that that would happen against Alabama because I feel like Alabama is one of those teams that is like just good enough that if you don't take them seriously enough, they could upset you. Yeah. But I'm glad that that didn't happen. And I think that Michigan is going to probably end up doing all of in their power to make that loss look less and less bad as time goes forward. Um, I feel pretty good about their chances of being in the top 10 or 15 when all is said and done this year. And you can't really feel bad about a loss to a top 10, 15 team in November, in my opinion. And they still have to play in Louisville next week. Right. So if they win that, I mean... I'll be real honest. Michigan really does look like a title contender right now. And maybe that's just some fool's gold this week and kind of like all the games they had before that. Maybe it's not, but I would willing to, I'd be willing to bet the farm that they're going to go far. Yeah. I mean, they have all the pieces that you need to do that, whether they do or not. I mean, college basketball is drunk this year like it is weird as we are sitting here recording this duke is up nine on winthrop Mm. uh with 319 to go so i mean that just goes to show you that it's a weird season um so who knows how things will end up shaking out but i think michigan has all the pieces necessary to do well this year and i would not be surprised at all if they do well yeah. But let's talk about happier news, which is that Carolina was able to shake off that loss and come back and beat a really good Oregon team. I coming into this game, I had a lot of skepticism for no good reason other than I feel like the last time we played Oregon, we stole the game. And that was in the uh, Final Four, of course, when Carolina won the championship. Um, If you play that game five times, I don't think it goes Carolina's way the same way. Um, Just the crazy tip-outs on missed free throws and all of that. It was was a wild time. And so if, if basketball gods exist, I felt like... We were kind of owed one from Oregon. Uh, thankfully, that did not come to pass, although it was a close game. But Oregon's a good team, so I don't I don't feel bad about playing a close game with them. 
What did you see today of note to you? The big men were incredible. Yeah, they were really good. Garrison Brooks with his goggles off, goggles on, goggles off, goggles on. Either way, didn't matter. He almost had a double-double, nine points, ten rebounds. Um, He was four for six from the field. Um, He had three blocks. He had three blocks. However, there was another man who was just like a block machine. Yeah. And that was Armando Bicot. And this kind of brings things full circle because we mentioned at the beginning of this podcast that Baycott was really good, I think. Just his entire body of work in this tournament. He was great. Yeah. And none so much as he was today because he had 23 points, which is a career high so far. I know his career is young, but still. Uh, 12 rebounds. And six blocks. Yeah. My dude was all over the floor defensively, and he interfered with so many of Oregon's shots, and it was so much fun to see. Have we seen a freshman big for UNC do this well this early as a freshman? I don't think so. I mean, I I don't have the longest memory when it comes to that, but... I mean, he has been as fun to watch as as any big man that I can remember in recent memory. Um, he he just does everything better than I thought he would. Like the most impressive to me is that dude can haul it up and down the floor, and I know we saw that with Tyler Zeller a lot. Like yeah. he could definitely book it, but like Baycott is bigger than Zeller. So I think it would be easy to look at him and be like, eh, he's not going to run the floor so great. But he does, and he has. Um, and I think that's a really big plus to his game. Um, he was he was really, really good against Oregon. And, um, I mean, Carolina ended up with 12 blocks in the game, and he had half of them. Block party. Which, speaking of blocks in the game, Cole Anthony, (laughs) I want to, like, frame that picture, like, life-size on my wall. Yeah. Because Cole Anthony, who is 6'3", blocked his guy, who was 6'7", and he did it with authority. He did it with the most, like, high hops ability that I have seen. He jumped up there like he could fly, and he just rejected that back from whence it came. Yeah. It was so much fun. I I loved it. It was, it was my favorite. I'm going to apologize real quick to Jake because I'm sure what I am going to say kind of opens up some not-so-sealed wounds, but... That was the type of block that I remember seeing on 7th Woods, like, highlight reel back from high school before all the injury issues. Like, Cole got up there, Mm -hmm. and it was impressive. And, like, I've seen that on Cole's highlight reels, too. But it's just, you know, when you see these guards do this stuff in high school, I I don't know about you. I don't see it happen much in college. Well, that's because in high school, most of them are playing against... Obviously inferior talent. Yeah. Um, 
Whereas, like, in college, everybody's much more equal. Yeah. So it's it's easy to be the biggest and the baddest in high school. Um, less easy to be the biggest and the baddest uh, in the ACC and beyond. But, I mean, Cole Anthony has kind of pulled a little bit of everything out of his bag of tricks so far. Uh, he's really good at taking charges, which is really fun to see. Um, Especially now that Kenny's gone. Yes, uh, because that is something that Carolina needs, um, and and Cole has been good at that. Um, he's obviously rebounding really well for a point guard. Um, I think they said today that he's probably the best uh, point guard rebounder in the country, regardless of class, um, which is super high praise, I think. Um but also we've seen him score 30-plus points and do that. So I think he just adds a lot to everything. And, and that's what you would expect a guy of his caliber to do uh, if you're in the conversation to be a top pick in the NBA draft. You better do most things well. And I think that Cole Anthony is doing that. But it's just nice to see that like he's able to – pick from different parts of his game to show up on any given night because even when he's not scoring 30 points he might be dishing out double digit assists or even if he isn't able to you know lead the team in scoring he's grabbing a bunch of rebounds so he's helping the team in many different ways I have a complaint oh no this is about the announcers that insisted that Cole Anthony likes to pound the and I've heard it multiple times this year. He'll just pound the ball, pound the ball, pound the ball. Listen, announcers and anybody else that may hold this opinion. Are you watching the basketball games? Are you watching him immediately throw the ball down the court? Are you watching him move the ball around? And actually, when you think he's pounding the ball, is actually setting up plays. Are you watching these things? Are you? I don't think you are. I don't really understand that perspective because I think there have been times where you could watch a game and if you saw a specific like time frame of the game, you might see Cole trying to do everything, more yeah. or less. But those situations seem to be when Carolina needs him to, to do, do that. Like, in the Notre Dame game, it seemed like Cole Anthony was trying to do everything himself, but also he was doing everything. Like, himself. Right. And so... Who else is going to do it? I, I feel like the times when he has taken over the game, it's because he he needs to. Like, I feel like the complaint would be oh, Carolina needs Cole Anthony, one of the best players in the country, to step up, and he's not stepping up. But when he does step up, we call it, like, pounding the ball and 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 all of that. So, I don't know. I feel like it's a bit of a can't-win situation for him, and I don't really understand it. Um, I would say that he has not been selfish with the ball no. uh, to this point. So... Well, and you and I talked about it earlier. 
UNC fans in general can't win because what did they say about Kobe White last year? He couldn't facilitate. Right. Over and over and over and over. And one of the things I said in Slack today was like, technically, that's not wrong, but it's not right. Kobe White knows how to be a point guard. Otherwise, Roy Williams wouldn't have made him a point guard. Kobe White is a point guard. Otherwise, Jim Boylan for the Chicago Bulls wouldn't be playing him in point guard situation. And then we get to Cole Anthony, and it's he just pounds the ball. But, like, he's one of the better facilitators, I feel like, that we've had since, I don't know, like, Paige? Yeah. Maybe? Yeah. I mean, Joel Berry wasn't astounding facilitating the ball. He was a very offensive-minded point guard. Roy Williams likes very offensive-minded point guards. That's just a thing. I feel like Cole's doing fine. If I have one complaint about what he's been doing is I want the turnovers to be cut down. Yeah. And I think that's about it. I don't know. I just... I think he's doing a fine job of facilitating and making plays. I mean, you just need to look at his assist numbers, and I think that they look fine. Carolina as a whole is not assisting the way that Roy Williams probably wants them to or the way that we've seen them the past couple seasons. But I feel like that's not Cole's fault. I feel like it's still a very, like, somewhat disjointed team that's still trying to like figure out when I go here you go here and when you're here you expect me to be here we see we see that like pop up here and there so I think as they gel over the next couple months the assist numbers are probably likely to go up and I mean I've seen many many instances to this point in the season where Cole or someone else will have, like, a tailor-made assist and the ball just doesn't go in. Yeah. So, like, how much better would it look if the shots were actually falling the way that we would expect them to? So all of that, I feel like, is just kind of trying to fill dead air and doing it with... Yeah, like, it's... I don't think it's correct. I don't think it has a lot of bearing on anything. Um it's just kind of whatever to me. But it's just frustrating when people say things like that because it's like I feel like you're watching what is happening in one game like in a vacuum and you see something and you you make it try to make it like a point across the season as a whole and that's just not the case at all. It, so it's not. But at any rate UNC wins against Oregon. Um, I feel like they held Pritchard um, for Oregon in check at least as much as they could. He was going to get his 19 points, three rebounds, six assists. He had five threes, which Oregon made 12 threes. And I feel like that's going to be danger zone area for Carolina as long as their threes aren't falling. Yeah. Um, is when a team can get hot from three. Uh, we saw that in the Alabama game. Uh, they they really couldn't stop the threes. Mm-hmm. And um, Oregon, again, had 12. Carolina only had six. Um, I don't know what we're going to do about the three-point shot. Uh, it's 
it's probably going to heavily rely on B-Rob and Cole until they can figure out what's going on with Christian Keeling. Yeah, and speaking of Christian Keeling, I think that he kind of woke up in the first half of this game. He started knocking down some shots, and I thought that that was going to be where he started having like an upswing in his game and that maybe this was finally going to be the game that he just broke out. And then he had a pretty bad second half, so... That didn't come to fruition. We're still waiting for him to for everything to click for him. I don't really know what the issue is, um, and that's not me trying to be uh, bogus to him or anything like that. But I just honestly don't know what might be going on with the shot. If he's overthinking, if there's something weird going on with his mechanics. I really have no idea. Maybe it's bad sock shot selection too, but some of them have been open. I think he missed a wide open one, like completely airballed it today, didn't he? Or he, I don't know that he airballed it, but he missed it pretty badly. Yeah. Um. I mean, at this point, you have to feel like confidence is probably an issue because as as a shooter, you can probably only see the ball not go in so many times before you start to just like internalize all of it I think we saw that with Marcus Page um several years ago where like at some point it almost became like a mental thing for him um and those are hard to break out of and unfortunately the only way to break out of it is to keep shooting through it I'm sure if it was something mechanical they would have addressed it by now you would hope Um, as much tape as I'm sure they watch and you would think that they would be able to point out if it was something like obvious that about his motion or something. Yeah. Um, I don't know, but Carolina needs him because I mean, he, he is a shooter and boy, do they need shooters. Yeah. So speaking of needing people, Leaky Black didn't come in. Again, in the second half, um, because of an ankle injury, he was questionable before the game already, but he ended up playing anyway, but he wasn't able to keep going. I am hopeful that this isn't anything serious. I mean, he did play after all, so that's a good sign. Well, he he tried. He tried. He he played nine minutes. Yeah. Um, Obviously, something happened in those nine minutes that, didn't go well. Yeah. Um, but the injury situation for Carolina is a bit of a concerning one because, for better or worse, Leakey's probably the top option at backup point guard. Yeah. And Cole Anthony has had issues with fouls. Yeah. So Carolina had to rely heavily on KJ Smith today. And I thought KJ did well. Yeah, um, he for sure. he did not embarrass himself at all being put into a pretty difficult situation. But I'm sure that Roy Williams would prefer to be able to go to Leaky. Um, and if Leaky's ankle is bothering him, that's one of those things that like he really just has to rest and um Beyond that, uh, Brandon Robinson, I feel like there have been a couple times throughout the course of this tournament where 
his ankle has gotten twisted or turned the wrong way. Um, and that's scary because he obviously just came back from an ankle injury. Garrison Brooks only had like one eye today after hurting his eye. It's like a corneal scratch or something um, against Michigan. This team is thin, like yeah. really, really thin. The depth is just not there. And losing anyone for any length of time could be really, really bad. So we should all just send our thoughts and prayers to their ligaments, bones, muscles, appendages, everything, because, man, if they lose a starter for any length of time, it's going to be pretty brutal. Yeah. Yeah, and it doesn't get easier from here. They still have to play Ohio State, which is next week. They got to play Gonzaga or Virginia. Virginia. Then at some point, Gonzaga. I think Wofford it might be after Virginia, Virginia um, which Wofford may not be. I don't know. They don't have what's-his-face anymore that's just going to throw down the most ridiculous shots. Fletcher. Fletcher McGee? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's, it's rough to have this many injuries, but they're just going to have to find a way to navigate through it. Uh, Tanya, do you have a best for this tournament? My best is Armando Baycott. I mean, he did everything you could have asked. I know he didn't have a great game against Michigan, but who did, um, everything else that he did really impressed me. And I thought that the way that he showed up against Oregon was really, really promising for the rest of the season. For sure. I would think, I think Baycott's my best of the game too. It's hard to really pick anybody else. Um, That's not to take anything away from the players that did have good games because there was good individual performances when you're talking about like from a game to game basis. But I think overall for the tournament, it was definitely Baycott. Um, Worst of the game or worst of the tournament rather. Probably the turnovers. I mean, 20 against Alabama, really not great. Um, I think it's been slightly better since then. It was 11 against Michigan, 13 against Oregon. But when you're not shooting super well, you can't afford to turn the ball over like that. And that's something that they're going to have to address as the schedule only gets harder from here. Yeah. Um. I think my worst may have to go to Andrew Playtech and Justin Pierce. I feel like there's times when they went in. I mean, not times, probably the entire tournament, whenever they would go in. Um, now, granted, I'm not saying they did everything wrong. They definitely had some good plays here and there. Um, shooting wise, they were both pretty bad. Um, if, you I'll let you listeners dig into those stats but it was it was bad um the one thing that I would say probably isn't terrible is they didn't really turn the ball over like that um so if you need any plus that's probably it but I wasn't a fan of how they performed this game and grant or this tournament and granted everybody kind of had their bad games but I think they were pristine they consistently struggled. Um, my second place goes to the refs. <laughs> oh, my goodness. The refs. Matter of fact, they might be first. Maybe Pearson 
uh, play tech deserve like a close second because the refs were terrible. The refs in the Alabama game were so bad. They would make a call and then just like completely change it multiple times. Yeah. And I, it was it was ridiculous. How many charges did we see Cole try to draw? And they did not. No, it was just that was that just one. Look. That was just like you have to call something. Yeah, I mean, like to me, it was a very obvious uh, offensive foul on Oregon. But if it wasn't an offensive foul, it was it was blocking. Like it had to be one or the other. Right. You um, have to pick one. And, and they just called nothing. They just decided that they didn't want to make a decision. So it was it was nothing. Um, I guess I would rather them call nothing than to call a a blocking foul on Cole when it was not. But I, it's just like I need you to do your job better. Yeah, that's that's the long and the short of it. I I don't know where these refs came from, but whatever conference you typically referee in, do better. It was it was poor. It was it, it was really poor. Terrible, just terrible. Um. Any final takeaways from the battle for Atlantis? I feel like it went probably as well as one could have expected. Uh, just based on how Carolina has played to this point, I don't know of anyone who honestly believed that they could go undefeated with the slate that they had ahead of them. Um, I think two wins and one loss is is something that I'm very happy with. Um, and it's something to build off of because, again, Oregon is a good team, and they were able to beat them, so hopefully they take that same energy into the game against Ohio State next week. Yeah, I think the win against Oregon was sorely needed because one of the arguments that some maybe not-so-optimistic UNC fans have been using is that their best win was against Notre Dame, which they're not ranked. And I think one of the ways to make the entire fan base feel better is to get that win against a ranked team, which they did. Now, granted, they lost to an unranked team, but as you and I discussed, Michigan should be ranked. And they will be. And they will be. So I feel like this is about what you could expect coming from this tournament. Kind of like you said, to go undefeated, it was probably more of a pipe dream. Um they just got to rest up, get healthy, and go against a really good Ohio State team. It's kind of funny that Michigan and Ohio State are both like surprisingly good this year, given that they are basically the UNC Duke of the Big Ten. Yeah. Um, Ohio State, I mean, they, they laid quite the smackdown on Villanova. I don't know that they have looked quite as much like the world beaters that they looked in that game subsequently, but they're a tough team, and they're not going to be easy to beat. Carolina's going to have to play a good game. They're going to have to not play a rough first half as they have in pretty much every game except the Oregon game. Yeah. So... I mean, something to keep an eye on, but it it definitely will not be a walk in the park by any means. Not at all. Um, Tanya, anything else? I think that's all. Okay. Um, Shout-outs to the women's soccer team. They just beat USC to move on to the um, College Cup. College Cup. So... 
congratulations to them. Hopefully they can finish things off. And the women's basketball team is a perfect 6-0 and on the season. That is incredible. That is amazing. And, I mean, again, that's a situation where you're, you've got a new head coach. You're having to learn new things. Uh, Sylvia Hatchell was there forever and did things her way, and now all those ladies have to learn how Coach Bangart wants to run things. It seems like they've all bought in, and the results have been great so far. So that's all really good to see. It's amazing what a little bit of change does to a program because I feel like in the short time that Banghart's been there, things have not taken the complete 180, but as close to a 180 as you can get. Um, Maybe it has taken the complete 180. I don't know. They have a really good recruiting class coming in next year, too. Really, really good. It's it's looking up for them. if you get the time, please do catch a few games. Um, yeah, they're they're looking good. Exactly. In the meantime, we will be back next week with recaps, um, probably of the state game and of the Ohio State game. Um, hopefully, Carolina football can close out the regular season with a win in Raleigh tomorrow. That's going to be a pretty big game for them because it feels like it has been 14 years since we've beaten State. Uh, It would be good to turn that around since they were finally able to beat Duke this year. So hopefully hopefully they can complete that little duo of wins and and end the regular season on a high note. Uh, In the meantime, you can find us on TarHillBlog.com. I'm at Tanya Bondurant on Twitter. And Brandon is at THB Brandon. Indeed. We will be back next week. Go Heels. Go Heels.